1: Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell.
3: Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Uh, We're in for a little bit of a treat today. We actually are going to be listening to a show that was recorded with my new friend, uh, Linda Patton, who is the... Uh, CEO of Dare to Lead and also the host of a, a radio program called Leadership Stars. And I had the good fortune of being interviewed by Linda. And, um, and so I, we thought that we would just share a little bit of this show with you. As we talk about issues related to women um, who are just women in general, women that are um, in the workplace, women that are moving forward in their uh their purpose and enjoying um some of the uh benefits of breaking through some of the barriers and using some of that breakthrough in order to um, help women like the women that we serve at Love never fails to overcome trauma, human trafficking, abuse, and a variety of other challenges. I have a very, very, very
4: special guest with us today. And I just want to know, there are moments in your lives when you see a need and you can choose or not choose to respond. Well, this high-level tech professional chose to respond. And this is a story you definitely don't want to miss. Love Never Fails is a nonprofit dedicated to the restoration education and protection of those involved or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking which I think is a blight on this world and that's Mm. my personal opinion. Um, People Magazine's Everyday Hero has won a score of awards for her change-making work and she has much to teach us about leading change. So let's welcome Vanessa Russell. Vanessa welcome.
3: Thank you. So glad to be here. And it's so good to
4: have you here. Vanessa, Um, You know, the the introduction says, you know, you were a tech professional. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about where you came from and how you got to where you are today?
3: Absolutely. So, uh, I've been in the tech industry for about twenty-three years. I actually entered entered in during the the first boom, and uh, uh, when we were moving over from, uh, you know, into the in the analog days. Let's just yes. say, yeah. And, and uh, uh, started my career actually working for a global uh, service provider and in tech in a tech support job. Um, And it was just an amazing uh, journey, amazing start in that um, I knew nothing about technology and I was very much in need living in poverty myself. I was a single mom and I decided that I needed to, you know, do something that was a little out of the box. So an opportunity for IT opened up. Started to teach myself using books. Uh, actually, my first book was TCPIP ip for Dummies, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and started to just train myself and really train my community um, along to come along with me on this journey towards becoming an IT professional. And um, you know that's that, that it's been a 23 year career, um, and just recently. Uh, Moved. I actually was a a senior uh, leader, uh, sales leader at Cisco Systems, and um, recently retired in January so that I could commit my life to working on uh, this issue of human trafficking through Love Never Fails.
4: Okay, so you retired literally like two months ago. Correct. Wow, that's that's impressive. Um, And how was Cisco?
3: Cisco was amazing Um, I couldn't have asked for a better experience I know a report just came out that said that Cisco is one um, out of you know hundreds and hundreds of of companies recognized. Cisco was number six in terms of one of the uh, greatest places to work and um, I will tell you that um, it 's a very challenging environment. You must mm-hmm. be a self starter you must be uh, a, a a tenacious advocate self advocate an advocate for your colleagues and for people who need to uh, be recognized uh, but if you are um, someone who is motivated and um, and uh, resilient and um, have you know a lot of passion about what you're selling or what you're uh, what you believe in, and you know whether it's your products or your services or your go-to-market or the the region that you represent, uh, you can really go very far in, in, in at Cisco. And so it's it was a great company for me.
4: That uh, that's very interesting that you say that you have to be. A self-advocate, because one of the things that I find oftentimes with women, especially women leaders, is the fact that we don't advocate for ourselves, that we wait for someone to recognize us. And, you know, so we don't raise our hand when somebody says, can you do? Uh, we wait. And yes. did you find that was true in Cisco or, or were the women there um, more on the self-advocating path?
3: Oh no! I think it's it, I think it's universal. I've worked at Wells Fargo. I've worked at SBC Global, at Cisco. Um, I worked for Alameda County, and in every one of those locations or places, companies, and and many other companies, uh, Excited Home, in uh, all of those places, I, I noticed that there were women uh, that were working just just you know into the wee hours of the night, and really felt that somebody must be noticing all of the great work that they were doing. You know, somebody's got to be paying attention. I mean, I, I'm doing such great work here. And um, unfortunately, and, and I, I think I, one of the things that I love to do is um, uh, sing the praises of the people that are in, around me. And so I've, I've just really made that my my, my role in, to um, acknowledge when people are doing good work around me, whether it's women or men or whoever, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we need to be that for each other and we need to push each other out there. And, um, you know, as, as one person said, adjust each other's crowns, if you will, and, uh, do it privately and, and, uh, and, and then sh- let, let one another shine. And then of course, like you said, like, like we were t- discussing, advocate for ourselves, mm-hmm. find Ways to to be tactful about it, right? There's nothing worse right. than just saying I did this and I did that. I'm so great, but you know, ways that we can share something that really means something to to the world.
4: Yeah, I think that's so very very key. Is the fact that we tend to hide and we tend to sit back and and wait and that kind of thing. And we we are we were taught as as young girls not to boast, not mm-hmm. to bring out um, our Accomplishments that 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 wasn't something that a, that a good girl did. Um, you know, you were quiet and and that kind of thing. And I th- I think it does us a, a huge disservice in the workplace. Um, and I'm I'm sure you agree with that.
3: Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think there are, there is something to be said for. Um, bringing humility into certain situations mm-hmm. I've seen people self-promote a little bit too much right it, you know and 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 that's a turn off as well but um, there you know especially when you are you um, you are bringing forth information that's relevant. You know, you're not just forcing, you know, some accolade for yourself into an unrelated conversation, but you're bringing in a relevant thing that you did for a customer, or that you mm-hmm. did for a partner, or that you you did for um, one of your business partners, and that um, will help somebody in the job that they're doing. And we just have to spend a little more time being strategic and thinking about how to communicate that in a way that that feels right.
4: I think that's so true that that the this- strategy behind it has to be such that it's not self-aggrandizing that um, you are truly, you know, again, you're promoting yourself through the work you've done for others. And so how that's helped with, with a client, or as you said, a partner or something along those lines, I think that's so very, very true. But again, we don't necessarily do that. Um, no. and, and it's it, horn tooting um, is, is something that we don't do easily um, that we have to learn how to do that in order to be recognized because otherwise we just par- become part of the wallpaper, right? Yes.
3: And you have to work in an environment. You have to be part of a company that um, encourages women to, mm-hmm. to function in that way. I think, you know, I have worked in an area in, in, in for groups uh, and for managers that have, have stifled my growth that mm-hmm. have, you know, cause made me believe or tried to make me believe that I was, um, you know, second best. And um, and so, you know, whenever you find that happening and you know that is not the case, then, you know, you've just got to kind of realize that that's their problem, not yours. All right. We'll be right back. We're listening in to an interview with myself and Linda Patton of Dare to Lead. And we'll be right back. For more information
1: on this program, visit Love dot com. That's Love dot com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages
3: All right. Well, welcome back. We're going to continue this uh, discussion about women leading, daring to lead in our communities with Linda Patton. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
4: Right. I think one of the best examples I had of of a woman who was having challenges with that, she'd actually lost her job. And I was in a I I was teaching a leadership in the workplace. Force. And she said, Look, I, I'm i a project manager and I always have these really great ideas for projects and I bring them to my boss and I, you know, explain it and everything else and and he says, That's great, let me look at it further. And the next thing I know, my male counterpart has my project. Mm. And I said, Well, did you ever say to your boss, and I want to lead this project? She goes, Oh no, mm-hmm. no, no. I, I thought he'd just know that. Right. You know, yeah, one, he can't read your mind, and two, you, you have to at least step in and say, I'd like to lead this project, and if you don't think I'm qualified yet, then I'd like to be the co-lead on this so that I can learn what I don't know. Right. And she goes, wow, I never thought of that. That would, that would have been really great. So I, right. I think that's part of it is that we have, to, we have to set it up so that they can knock it out of the park. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yep, okay. Absolutely. Vanessa, you have taken on a very large challenge um, in this country and in this world, which is human trafficking. Why did you step into that?
3: Well, it started um, about seven years. Of, actually, this is my eighth year uh, of being a nonprofit. And uh, so eight years ago, I was teaching young people dance. Actually, I actually had been teaching them for um, ten years prior to that. And um, teaching young people dance just on a voluntary basis on weekends and on uh, weekday nights. And uh, mostly working with inner city youth in uh, San Leandro, California. And one of the, um, you know, I just thought, you know, this is the way that I'm going to be giving back because I love working with young people and I love dance. And so um, I... uh, I, I was working there, and, and, and then I found out um, shortly in 2010 that one of my 15-year-old dance students was being exploited. Um, she actually – someone brought her to me. Um, I, was, I was in the middle of a meeting, and they said, you know, uh, they had this girl. They didn't know she was my dance student, and they said they had this girl, and she, you know, she needed help and as i sat down with her of course i you know i said wow this is my this is my dance student and mm-hmm. and we and we met and she began to tell me how she had been choked and and raped and shot at and um brutalized and sold um and um as you can imagine you know my heart um just sank and um i was just just wrecked just just completely wrecked mm-hmm. and um you know, there were so many things that I learned there and that just that first conversation about trauma bonding, about, um, you know, disassociation and um, several clinical things that happened to a person when they experience that kind of trauma. And, um, it, and it just changed my life in, in a very profound way. And I knew, you know, I thought, oh, well, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just set up to, to, to help kids like uh, you know once a week here you know i, I, I <laughs> yes. 'm I'm, I'm a i 'm a single mom and and i 've got this you know global job and i'm i 'm super busy and um there 's no way I can take anything like this on, but it just kept you know just kept wearing on me every night i couldn 't sleep um, I kept thinking about her um and the the torture that she had gone through. And, um, finally after about four months of wrestling with it, um, I, you know, and, and feeling very inadequate by the way, you know, I'm not a teacher, I'm right. not a clinician. I, you know, I, I'm not a police officer. Like what, what I'm an IT nerd. Like, what mm-hmm. am I going to bring to the, bring to bear here? Uh, I just have a heart for, for children and for dance and, you know, that's it. And, and so what I got, you know, in my time, I'm a praying person. And in my time of prayer, what I got is that all you need to do is just just love love her, just love her and just be there for her. And um, that's where I got the name love never fails. And um, from there, you know, unbeknownst to me, it's become, I've been, you know, involved in educating thousands of children and uh, community members where, you know, we have a prevention education program in partnership with two other nonprofits, Three Strands Global and Frederick Douglass Family Initiative, and and it's called PROTECT, and we're in 32 counties. We're in three states doing prevention education in the schools. Um, We've opened up houses for women and children. Um, We've housed 97 women and 19. Children in the last three and a half years, and um, actually March 16th it'll be four years. I just realized that March 16th, so four years. Yeah, 97 women and 19 children, and um, you know we we've just done so much. And all while working at Cisco, and, and just for me, it's just really proved that love never fails, because there's just no way that I could have navigated all of this without a huge amount of love in my heart um, to, to extend, um, and then many, many people who have joined me in this journey.
4: And so you're connected with two other nonprofits, is that is that what you said?
3: Yeah, so for our prevention education program that's in the schools, um, we're connected to Three Strands. Global, out of Sacramento, and Frederick Douglass Family Initiative out of um, uh, Orange County. Okay. Um, the and um, both of those organizations are global. Um, they have a global sort of focus, um, global national focus. But we partner together to create a collaborative called mm-hmm. Protect. Okay. And and we do prevention education in the schools. We have a curriculum for fifth, seventh, ninth, and eleventh grade students.
4: Why those?
3: Well, um, those are the odd numbers. <laughs> yeah. So the average age of a person that's trafficked in the U.S., according to the DOJ, is 12 to 14. Okay. So we knew that we wanted to get a, the like the key um, right where it's happening is seventh grade. We wanted mm. to get a little bit younger so that we can catch it early, which is fifth. And Mm -hmm. then we, you know, so we, and then of course we want to make sure and catch every other grade. Ideally we would do it in every grade, although it's quite expensive. So we thought, you know, let's, let's target every other grade starting at fifth um so that we sprinkle in and it's very additive, it's not inoculation. It's you know, you start off with in fifth grade with age appropriate messaging that's about safe people, safe choices, and safe places. Mm-hmm. Um you don't really talk about sex trafficking per se, it's more about labor trafficking, human rights, and um the your right to say no, you know, and and um, ask for help. And then in seventh grade, we really start to introduce the concept of human trafficking. Um, there's a you know in the sex ed classes, right? So it's mm-hmm. appropriate there. And then in the ninth grade, and all of our curriculum is written against health ed- or against education codes. So in in the ninth grade, we wrote our curriculum against a health education code. And so that's really talking about it from a clinical standpoint and from a um and from a legal standpoint. What are the ramifications if you get involved in a trafficking case? If you Become a trafficker? How many years are you going to get? So that our young women and young men that are thinking about doing that know this is not the right line of work or business to be in. And then um, in the 11th grade, we really uh, we come into the U.S. history class and we talk about this from a historical standpoint. And we really help them to we, we're hoping that they will actually become modern day abolitionists mm-hmm. that will um, uh, take on a community service project and actually fight against human trafficking in their own local communities in a very relevant way.
4: That's a Awesome, Vanessa. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And, and you and you do. You cover a wide range of information in in just those four years. The question I get, there are a couple of questions that I have. Um, first of all, how do you define human trafficking? Because it sounds like it's a very broad category.
3: Yes, yeah, so human trafficking is either sex trafficking, which is the exchange of sex for money or for goods or for services, um, the, and labor trafficking, the exchange of labor for little, little to no income, little to no payment. Um, and um, sex trafficking, I would say, is 96%, the last percentage I saw, 96% of people who are trafficked in the U.S. are Uh, girls Mm -hmm. um four percent are boys um and um and then you know sprinkled in there is non-conforming right uh lgbtq Mm -hmm. um categories in there and then um just just kind of noting that um 50 percent of labor trafficking cases are men and um and whereas with sex trafficking it's about 96 percent are women and uh four percent are men so um you know there there is quite a um um, uh, you know, a need for all types of advocacy, all types of homes. And um, we we focus in our prevention education program on both types of trafficking mm-hmm. and then e- equipping teachers and um, administrators in the schools with the information they need to know to understand the, you know, the psychological effects of this kind of, um, you know, of being trafficked. Uh, on a on a victim. And they may not detect it without that kind of education. Um, you know, one of the things that comes to mind Harry D'Souza had mentioned to me that um his children, while he was being trafficked for the many years that him and his wife um were being trafficked, um his children had um they were living in Cincinnati and they have terrible winters there and his children had windbreakers for winter coats. Mm. And um and the school, unfortunately, um, sent his children home one day when it was like a a, a blizzard, and and were were very, um, you know, sort of condemning towards the family, saying, you know, where are their winter coats? Why don't they have winter coats? You need to go home and get a proper coat. Right. Not realizing that
4: the that that was the proper traffic."
3: Trafficked. Yeah.
4: yeah. And, and so but-
3: sometimes we got to notice these things. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We've been listening to Linda Patton and myself. We'll be right back.
1: To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors.
6: This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com. PitchPerfectPresentations.com.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst.
3: We're back with Linda Patton of dare to lead and leadership stars. Vanessa. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. So great to be here.
4: Oh, it's, it, this is a subject that, um, tears at my heart to say the least. I do have to say though, in, in Los Angeles, you know, you're, uh, what you're doing and you know, with love never fails, um, I want to say it's quiet. I mean, i i know you're doing a lot, and you're on the radio, and you're doing s- stuff like that. But like in LA, um, human trafficking is—is is such a big deal that there are um, signs on the freeway. Yes. About stop stopping human trafficking. That's not something that we've done here in Northern California, is it?
3: It is actually. It is? Um, one one of my very uh, good friends, Janice Jacobs. She's um, she actually designed. Uh, in, in partnership with Clear Channel and the Alameda County uh, District Attorney's Office, mm-hmm. um, she designed ban- um, ads, if you will, billboards mm-hmm. um, as part as part of her her program, which is called Ab- Abolitionist Mom, and um, and she has billboards all the way all the way up and down, you know, um, the highway 880 uh, throughout the Bay Area, San Francisco, in bus bus stops. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's quite a bit of um, uh, of that kind of work um, going on. Um, I know that in San Diego, there's also a campaign that uh, their district attorney has done, um, also uh, with the bus sheds and the, um, you know, the bulletins, uh, side freeway bulletins So a lot of work that, that people are doing to bring awareness also in the airports. Hopefully mm-hmm. everyone's seeing those, you know, the yes. TVA has really been putting up a lot of, uh, getting trained, uh, Bay area anti-human trafficking coalition has been doing a ton of training of, uh, of, uh, some of uh, organizations like TVA and, um, and, um, And so, yes, we are, we are, uh, I think we're all kind of working to raise the awareness.
4: I I do have a question, Vanessa, around all of that. It sounds like, you know, you've, you've said that you're connected with, or you know about a lot of organizations like here in California, and I presume that you know them nationwide, yes? Yes.
3: And, and internationally as well. Yeah. Like International Justice Mission and Agape, and there's a lot of of really great ones as well uh, globally.
4: My question is, you know, uh, I know that there are people out there who have their own passion, their own um, cause that they really want to, in essence, create a movement for. And the challenge always is, gee, I'm only so, so big And, and, and that kind of thing. How do you connect? How do you connect with those allies who are doing similar things to you in such a way that you become that kind of force?
3: Yeah, you know what I, and again, it it kind of goes back to, isn't it interesting that that willingness to be an advocate for my fellow colleague at, uh, at Cisco or at Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. um, that inclination in me, um, really transfers quite well in the nonprofit world in that I love to be a promoter of other organizations and also to be an, you know, a, uh, to encourage an encourager to individuals to say, you know what, um, I used to have this joke running joke with one of my friends, Benita Hopkins, that we would I would say, you know what, if what you don't know how to do is warm up milk for pigeons, (laughs) we will find a way to make that work uh, in the fight against human trafficking, whatever it is that you bring to bear. You know, some people are. They, 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 they knit, so they're knitting scarves for our survivors. Mm. Some people, uh, they cook, so they're, they're doing lessons, you know, uh, cooking lessons or recipes uh, for people who, you know, who have, have eaten nothing but McDonald's for all of their life. Mm. Um, you know, so there's just whatever you're good at, whatever your gifts are, um, they can be brought to bear to help someone else. That's
4: fantastic. So audience, if you have a gift that would support um, education or, or restoration of someone who's been human trafficked, um, definitely get in touch with Vanessa and let her know that you have a skill that you'd like to bring to bear um, to help these, these people get out of the situation that they're in right now because I know that they could use your help. Um, so, Vanessa, uh, one of the questions that I asked you sort of on the break was uh, you said uh, part of the reason that you do 9th and 11th grade is to, um, I want to say prevent, but to discourage kids from stepping into becoming a trafficker. I can't yes. imagine somebody wanting to do that. Tell me Why? Well,
3: <laughs> there's two there's two kinds of scenarios that come up um, and really they come out of a, a deep vulnerability nine times out of ten. Um, when you see someone who's um, thinking about, harming someone else, um, you know, so that they can get ahead. Um, there is, you know, either a situation where an individual has been corrupted by older family members, uncles, Mm -hmm. aunts, family, you know, fathers, mothers that have said, Hey, this is our family business. This is how we make ends meet. And, um, and they've just, um, made it seem like it was something normal. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think, I think if you think about families where there's long lines of incest, it would be the same thing where, you know, Look, this is what we do. This is our family business. We sell people. We take advantage of people. And you never realize how bad it is until you're pulled away from it and you get healing from that yourself. The other thing is, um, you know, we want one in six boys are um, sexually molested in the U.S. and, and one in four girls. And if that goes unhealed um why would you have any um you know you know especially if you've been systematically um sexually abused as a mm-hmm. child as a young man um and young men typically are um, you know statistically speaking are more the perpetrators than uh girls and so if you've were you know uh, abused over time and no one came to your aid no one listened to you no one cared that you were being molested why would you care that somebody else is being sexually abused you know um there's a certain sensitivity a certain um there's a certain ep- empathy and compassion that may have um, been shut down in you because of the abuse that you've you've experienced um and then the other thing is um the um um DePaul School of Law did a study of uh, t- uh, several traffickers, and one of the things that they saw is that 88 percent of those traffickers had experienced, had co- been raised in families where there was domestic violence and where there was abuse. So there is a direct correlation between abuse and human trafficking.
4: Okay, that that makes sense. Um, I, I somehow I got the sense of you know th- these are um, you know I, I want to say good kids, and why would they step into trafficking? But uh, yeah,
3: well, and then we've seen that too. And I yeah. guess the one thing I'll say is, um, y- you know, I've seen kids that, um, you know, that aren't. And, and when I say, I don't know if I, uh, you know, the whole good kids thing, right? So mm-hmm. they're they all start off that way, but they've right. been corrupted yeah. in some in some way. But um, but I will say, like kids that don't have hist- like long term trauma, right? Mm. They don't have like yeah. maybe they come from intact families. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, personal abuse they've endured. We've seen that. And one, one of the things that I think how that can happen is um, the Internet really lends itself. It makes a mm. way for these kinds of transactions to occur in a much easier way. And if you have a friend who and you're very naive and you have a friend that mm-hmm. comes to you and says, look, all we have to do is, like, connect these girls with these guys and, you know, watch out for them. And we make, you know, a bunch of money, yeah. you know, you can you can easily see how young people unknowingly can be ensnared in doing something like this.
4: Yeah, I mean that's sort of what where I was going was like, you know, it it there has to be some kind of trigger. Um, either they experience uh, experiences or they're you know dr- sort of I don't want to say dragged in, but a friend says, "Hey, come on, let's do this," um, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So um, that's interesting. I'm I'm glad the education piece is a prominent part of what you do. So, Vanessa, you know, this, this month is about being a catalyst for change. Needless to say, you're making change. So, you definitely see yourself as a change agent, yes? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how, how are you executing change? Because there are many different ways to do this. How are you actually making change in the world?
3: Well, I mean, the obvious areas are to transform the way people see themselves, the way they see their, what they see themselves as, whether they see themselves as valuable and important. And my, you know, my primary focus is for people, everyone that I meet, and I mean everyone, to feel loved, to feel mm-hmm. important, to feel appreciated. And that's the, you know, the millionaires who's the, you know, who's donating to our cause and that is the exploited young child that I encounter that I may encounter on the street and so that's that's one and I I think there's a lot of change in that because it's changing Mm -hmm. mindsets it's changing beliefs but then beyond that it's you know changing um, changing the the policies the ways in which we maybe in times past we called children who were ensnared in human trafficking we called them prostitutes we don't call children prostitutes because prostitution is a penal code it's a legal term for someone who is committing a crime mm-hmm. and children are not committing a tra- crime they are victims of childhood rape so that might be the w- one of the areas where i'm changing uh where i'm a change agent changing the the way that we deliver our classes in schools and health and in, in u.s history and in, in sex ed and and focusing on human trafficking and then changing our corporate e- environments right so mm-hmm. right now um when when we look at interns in for corporations um Interns have to have a lot of our in, interns and corporations have to have college um, college degrees. Well, in my book, you know, most people who have college degrees are going to um, do pretty well for themselves. It's the ones that don't have any education that have not been even you know given the opportunity to attend school that um, are the most vulnerable to this kind of thing and they need to have an opportunity to participate in corporate America as well. And so I am trying to provide some inroads for them through our IT academy where we're actually taking survivors of human trafficking, members of foster care, members of, um, of that people that have been previously homeless and we're providing them education and opportunities to obtain careers in IT. And so, you know, those are just a few of the areas where we're we're hope, hopefully changing the world for, for the better. All right. We'll be right back. We're listening in to an interview with myself and Linda Patton of Dare to Lead. And we'll be right back. For more information
1: on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these
2: messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at CaseIndustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's CaseIndustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend.
5: Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor.
1: And love those in your midst.
3: All right, well, welcome back. We're going to continue this uh, discussion about women leading, daring to lead in our communities with Linda Patton. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. Are we as aware of rape
4: and and like you said, the the, uh, Harry who his, his kids didn't have a winter coat? Are we looking at those things too and being aware of those as opposed to just sending them home and say, get an appropriate coat?
3: no we're not and um it's very you know uh, when i would come into some classrooms i remember i went into a couple of classrooms in fremont a few years ago and one of the teachers uh, there was a, there was a, a a student there who was sleeping all day in class and mm-hmm. rolling in a uh she was rolling in a um a yeah. um a luggage Um, A suitcase. And, um, you know, I, you know, I guess maybe the teacher thought it was like a blended family where she, you know, she was going between houses or something like that. Well, this girl was being exploited. You know, Mm. there's no doubt that this person was being exploited. She was being kept up all night, sold throughout the night forced to go to school during the day, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the family, the parents knew that this was happening or were even participating in it because oftentimes when you see that a child continues to go to school during the day, even though they're being exploited at night, it's because the parents don't want any um, scrutiny to come to them exactly. that, um, you know, well, why, why is your kid chronically absent? Well, so they say, look, you, you better be in school, or, you know, because if you're marked absent, then they're going to come knocking to me and they're going to take my, you know, my CalWORKS check, or they're going to, you know, um, come in and, 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 and hold me accountable. So um, find that oftentimes with parents who are drug addicted or maybe disabled, um, especially in the economy of Northern California, I, I, I one person that came comes to my mind um, was in in uh, in a class at a at a uh, ROP in a R. O. P. school, mm-hmm. and um, and they they said that their parents' rent had been raised a thousand dollars a month, wow. and they were getting ready to be homeless. And this this student was disabled. Um, um has some um. um uh, some co- computational challenges and some, um, just, di- just some disabilities. And, um, and they said, I'll do anything. I don't want, I don't want my parents and I to be homeless. What can I do? And I just thought, what do you think? You know, if, uh, be if, if that person told the wrong person that, mm-hmm. you know, what what would happen with that? You know, and this somebody who doesn't have all their mental faculties, they're desperate, and they're willing to do anything. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We've been listening to Linda Patton and myself. We'll be right back.
1: To join in the fight for love, visit Us dot com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors.
6: Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com.
1: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Once again, you've been listening to Linda Patton, uh, the founder of Dare to Lead with Linda and Leadership Stars radio show. And hopefully you've been enjoying yourself. We're going to take a moment to listen to a little bit more. And then we're going to tell you about some ways that you can get involved in our community and uh, engaged with the fight to end human trafficking. I'm proud of um, the thousands of students that we've been able to educate. Um, one person that comes to mind, um, a, a boy, a young boy that um, our team actually educated, and he was in the process of being recruited to be trafficked. And, um, and, and we were able to show him that he was being groomed by an older guy online. And because of that, he um, he um, He was able to to break off the communication that he was having over social media, and so there 's just so many you know we, we've, we i didn 't mention this earlier but we 've been able to um, support law enforcement with rescuing over ninety women and children um, ninety women and children that ha- that were ensnared in trafficking in some way were re- restored to their families so there 's just so much to be proud of i don 't even know where to start but i 'm just and i'm just i 'm just grateful for the opportunity to um, to be a light and to be um, in a, a, a encouraging and loving towards people who need it so very much.
4: Well, I love the fact, Vanessa, that you also walk the talk. You bring these individuals who are changing their lives into your own home and support them that way. Yes? Yes. Yes,
3: yeah. that's correct yeah so I mean one of the one of the seventy six percent of survivors that have been surveyed in this one study said the main the two things that they need to exit the life are housing and work, um you know sustainable work. and so um we realized very quickly you know you can be out there raising awareness all you want. you can do stings, you can rescue people. Oh, yeah, I got them off the street. where are they going <laughs> to go on day two, right? Exactly, they, they got to have somewhere to go, and then when they get in your house and they graduate, which is what we experience after eighteen months, and they graduate, but they have no skills. You know, mm-hmm. you've taught, you, you, you haven't taught them to fish. They don't know how to, you know, sustain their, their livelihood. And so these are all elements of just living, uh, living the full, a full uh, to the fullest extent of their purpose.
4: And I think that's some of the challenges with many of the recovery programs is the fact that, like, you, you may recover them from drug abuse or alcoholism or whatever, and they've gone through the program, and then you throw them back out on the streets and, like, so what do I do now? Right. You know, without that sustaining and, you know, how, what do I do when I get out? Um, because it is a very protected environment mm-hmm. for them. Um, exactly. And, and then they're back out in the real world where – there are traffickers, and there are people who are going to encourage them to go to the bars or to, you know, grab some uh, drugs or whatever it might be. And without that support, um, it's it's almost been uh, a wasted time for them and for the community. Right?
3: Right. Exactly. And when you think about many of these, these uh, folks, you know, they don't have um, stable family members to come back to. Right. They don't have someone who's going to say, okay, now we're, now you're, you're doing well, you know, I'm going to set you up. They don't have that. So we have to be their family, so to speak. We have to provide, um, think in advance, you know, ahead. They're going to need to be self-sustaining because uh, we can't make a dependent person that's going to come out of here because there's no one for them to depend on,
4: right? And I I, I did um I did a, a fair amount of nursing in Oakland, and one of the things you run into a lot is crack babies. Oh yeah, and. and your mom can't take care of them. If you're yep. lucky, you have a grandmother who can take care of them. And, and if not, where does this baby go when it's when it's time to be checked out of the hospital? And that's another area that, to me, there's not a thought. Well, there is some thought, but not as much thought as to how do we keep them self-sustaining so that they can grow up and be a, a you know fu- fully functioning within this community, right?
3: Yeah, um, we have a um, situation where one of our family members was born ad- addicted to crack. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you, you know, when you see the effects that it has on, oh. a, on a child's development over time, their development, their inclination to be drawn to addictive mm-hmm. behaviors, and it's just a constant battle. And, you know, some people are like, why don't they just get the point? Why don't they just stop? Why don't they? Well, hey, you know. They were born addicted to drugs. Exactly. You know, so um, it's a lifetime of having to undo this thing that was part of their gestation, Mm -hmm. you know, and so not to say it can't be done, but it's definitely, um, it's not done by, you know, just one parent. It's done by a community who cares.
4: Right. And you really have to be, you as the individual also need to be very diligent and know that, That's a situation that you have to work with every day and be constantly vigilant with it. So, Vanessa, as we begin to close um, the episode, would you give our audience sort of like one last tip that they should not forget uh, from this episode?
3: Well, I would say if you see something that doesn't look right to you. Um, I'd encourage you to call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. You can call anonymously, and that number is 888 3737 I'd also encourage you to become, uh, you know, a, a, get involved with Love Never Fails. You can do that by going to our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com. Um, we invite you to be, volunteer with us, and we also invite you to become a member of our program um, where we can, you know, kind of train you and make sure that there's an awareness level about different things that are going on online or in, in you know in the streets so um, we do you know we do a lot of activities in the uh, in the communities throughout California and so we'd love to have you come out but yeah those would be the things I would leave you with.
4: Okay so thank you so very much Vanessa.
3: All right well hopefully you've enjoyed your time uh, listening in on our interview and um, now it's time to get busy it's time to get active and so I want to invite you out we have quite a few things that are going on in the community. First of all, we have on April the 4th from 6 to 9, Innocent Voices Benefit Dinner. This is a benefit dinner for, uh, to, to uh, help more children that are in the foster care system. It will be held at the Redwood Canyons Golf Course in Castro Valley. And for tickets, you can go to our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com forward slash events and get a ticket there. Also, we have our Love My City Community Prayer Time that is on the 7th of April, and that that is at also uh, 6 p.m., and it's pretty much any city in the nation, anywhere where you're at, we encourage you, join with us at 6 p.m. to love your city in your prayers and just declare that the people in your community are loved and they're thought of by you. Also, on uh, April the 20th, we are going out. We're going to do our street outreach uh, probably this this month in Contra Costa County. And uh, if you would like to join us, it'll be around the 637 uh, p.m. time frame. And you can register to participate at uh, also Love Never Fails Us dot com forward slash events or you can email myself vanessa at love us dot com or sable sable's actually assisting me with street outreach now so you can email sable s-a-b-l-e at love dot com so that's pretty exciting and then on june the 1st mark your calendars from 6 to 12 p.m we're going to be participating in we run oakland and love never fails will have a table there and so we want to encourage you to come out and uh, get involved in that again in the city of Oakland. We also want to encourage you to become a member. We can, we are a listener supported show, and we are a listener supported uh, we are a donor supported organization. We want to encourage you to become a member. Um, in that, it, there's a variety of ways you can do that. You can find all of the membership levels on our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com forward slash donate, and you'll see our membership program listed there. Anywhere from giving $10 a month to $500 a month, whatever uh, you feel called to, to give, we encourage you to step out in that to um, support us as we take on not just the issue of human trafficking, but the underpinnings of it, poverty, education, uh, the need for sustainable jobs in our communities, all of those things are we are participating in, and we absolutely need your partnership to continue with that work. If you'd like to volunteer, you can reach out to Heidi at volunteers at loveneverfailsus.com. We are really ramping up our volunteer program, and we're in need of a ton of um, support with our house, with our stores with pop-up boutiques, with events in different cities and states. We're actually looking to expand some of our operations to other locations. And so we need your help. If you want to Um, Support some of that work. Please let us know by reaching out to volunteers at loveneverfailsus.com. And then, of course, uh, we want to encourage you to, uh, we have a couple of positions that are open. We have a house manager job that's open. It's in the city of Alameda County. And it is in the evening hours from 5 to 10 on Wednesdays and from 9 to 5 Saturdays and 9 to 5 on Sundays. If you're interested in being a part of our housing program, you can reach out with a resume to Sable, and that's S-A-B-L. At love, never fails us.com. And that is it. Wow. We've covered a lot of bases. Thanks so much for listening in. And we want to make sure if you haven't heard it before that you are loved.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at love, never fails Us.com by liking and sharing our Facebook page,